0: Hello, honey, and welcome to Honey Do Me Podcast. I'm Cass. And I'm Emma, and we're just two gals looking for a good lay. Aren't we all? (laughs) But when it comes to sex, we're just as lost as you and have no idea what we're doing. Luckily, we will stop at... Nothing to get the answers we need. Cue our expert guests. We're ready to overshare and ask all the embarrassing questions so you don't have to.
1: By the end of every episode, you will be dripping in actionable steps and ready to take on the damn world, or at least take it from behind. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us, honey, how How do you do you?
0: tell the people what part of your body you're gonna start tanning <laughs> we
1: talked about this a long time ago uh taint tanning <laughs> taint taint tanning <laughs> taint tanning God say that fast it's kind of hard but I heard about it from you during like COVID mm-hmm. When it was like you get health benefits from it, and like
0: apparently, apparently we're not claiming the health yeah, benefits. This I don't is all alleged. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I
1: was at a dinner party this weekend and um one of my friends was talking about it i'm like oh my god yeah i remember that like it sounds so woo-woo and weird yeah. and then um she looked at my sister's fiance. i was like i think he does it he's like what <laughs> and I, like got so offended when we explained it to him i just
0: feel like if you get that defensive it means you're doing it, it and you you're, you're insecure tane. about it
1: yeah you tain your taint claim it i know super funny but yeah i was thinking about that a lot and i just think that must be awful and so uncomfortable.
0: Quite the sunburn, quite the liberating experience, I imagine. I have yet to do it, I said I was gonna do it. Yeah. Um, I think I'm still nervous to have anyone come that eye to eye with my taint, be I mean, the sun, be if, it whatever God yeah. rules the sun. <laughs> if I can't see what you're looking at, if I've mm. never looked directly at the body
1: part to which you will be looking at, which is why I'm so mm-hmm. nervous about my butt, mm-hmm. that's why, it's like, because I don't know what you're seeing. Yes. That's exactly to I me. don't
0: know where you're going yeah where you're going <laughs> where
1: it's been and so. I don't know I don't get the health benefits from
0: it yeah so maybe maybe what we do is we put full-length mirrors on the ground separately this <laughs> is private moment this is private time. <laughs> and then you stand over it uh-huh. and then you just slowly lower yourself so- down until you're in a tanning position <laughs> oh. and you see what's going on how do you look at your butthole I haven't have you ever no I actually haven't. <clears throat> oh, you either
1: never, <laughs> never. How do you never look well. at your butthole?
0: <laughs> so
1: With I have a small one of camera. Those. <laughs> I record the entire time. I start from my navel and I scoop right around to my taint and pass my taint to my butthole and in, um, in, <laughs> and in. I have to. It's a whole thing. Um, I have a little handheld mirror, and so when I'm standing, I put one leg on the counter and then I just okay. put the handheld under there. You like see? what you see. Never. (laughs) It's never. I never do. It's actually scary. I get like embarrassed for myself looking at it. It's
0: your butt. She didn't do anything to you.
1: She's done a lot to me. I've tooted in the night from her. Yeah, that's true. I watched our last YouTube. (laughs) Episode today because I love watching myself. Yeah.
0: Shocker. Like.
1: Shocker. <laughs> Shocker. I love the attention. And my favorite is when you said two crotches passing in the night. I thought that was really And funny. if
0: that isn't a teaser for our YouTube exclusive episodes, I don't know what is. So make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube so you see uh, where all the action's at. Yeah. Um. Because two crotches do miss in the night. And that's Emma's experience with 69ing. And mm-hmm. I think you want more. Yeah. My so.
1: boyfriend today was like, You steal all my jokes. And I'm like, I do not. He's like, I heard them in the episode, and I was like, I write my own stuff.
0: I write my own stuff. Just because I write, I write it through shit. you
1: doesn't mean I'm shit. I'm sorry you were there for that, but like, I still wrote it. The money goes to me. It's my name on that it's tagline. Mine. <laughs> Anywho. So fuck off. We don't pay men. <laughs> no, we don't. Today, we're not talking about buttholes. We're talking no. about these butthole feelings that we sometimes get yeah which are that of codependence
0: and being stressy, people pleasing, insecurities, yeah. asking for what you want, all of it. The incredible Victoria Albina is back mm-hmm. and answering all of your questions this mm-hmm. time because it's not just about us. Oh no.
1: <laughs> Never. I didn't ghost write all these questions what do you mean
0: what do you mean I didn't submit them in the
1: little box on my Instagram story I would never that's sabotaging my business um no but we did answer or we had her answer some of your guys's scenarios Mm -hmm. questions concerns and I did throw one of mine in there I'll admit but it was it was so good after we left our last episode with Victoria we started talking about all the ways that we feel like codependent. Mm-hmm. We're like, holy shit, all these scenarios apply to so much more than I would have thought codependence would have. Exactly. And so that's why we felt it really, really important to bring back
0: Victoria. Absolutely. And we're going to bring her back again. <laughs> We're gonna <laughs> <boop>. <laughs> cast take too. Uh, we're gonna bring her back again, yeah, of course. Um, but even if you didn't submit a question, even if these aren't your questions, these aren't your specific scenarios. Like Emma was just saying, I feel like they're applicable to uh-huh. literally every aspect of your life. If they aren't, I don't care. Fuck uh, off, yeah. <laughs> God! I really don't care. I shit. get it. You're perfect. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. You're not insecure. This unfinished wallpaper behind me.
1: explains that i'm
0: not that's okay (laughs) it's hard to put wallpaper in corners human error human error we're gonna try though
1: after this yeah so after this episode
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) on that note ew (laughs) that was scary it was scary i didn't like it we should do an asmr episode where we just laugh like that for an hour i
2: love asmr that's
0: asthma right (laughs) (laughs) oh okay we'll see you on the other side Bye. bye
2: Okay, so hi, my name is Victoria Albina. I use she, her pronouns, and I live on occupied Muncie Lenape territory, also known as the Hudson Valley of New York State, just north of New York City. I am a functional medicine nurse practitioner, a master certified somatic life coach, a somatics and nervous system complete nerd, host of the Feminist Wellness Podcast, and breathwork meditation facilitator. Are those all my words? Do I remember all my words? All your
1: words, and you did That's a it lot of words. You rattled them off perfectly. Oh,
2: my God. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> we had so much fun, Me and too. it was like jarring and also amazing talking to you about like codependence last time Mm -hmm. and we just knew we had to open it up to our listeners to see Mm -hmm. what their questions were on this because i feel like we got our therapy session and we want others to get theirs (laughs) (laughs) so that's what we did and we got a great amount of questions so i think we'll just start by diving into those Mm -hmm. okay perfect so this one is a scenario so we'll start off there I have a higher, this is now the question. <laughs> this isn't <laughs> me. Um, <laughs> I have a higher libido than my spouse. We talk about sex abstractly, but not about our sex life. We have played Honey Do Me. I've played Honey Do Me for him in hopes of promoting conversations, but it feels one sided. I struggle with fear of rejection. So when I try to explain what I fear, he will say he can't, won't. In times, Mm. I have been able to open up. He says, okay, but doesn't follow through. I feel disconnected and even resentful at times.
2: Mm. Yeah. Gosh, I am just sitting here thinking how many uh, inner child parts must be getting kicked up. Mm-hmm. in there right around rejection abandonment uh being othered right so if we think about the human the, our subconscious desire is for connection and significance mm-hmm. right for in order to feel safety in the nervous system we need to know someone cares about us we are significant to someone we matter in this village right in this um this collective of humans who has each other's back and we need to feel connected our nervous systems need to co-regulate with someone else and so if our sexual desire, our libido, feels different from that of our partner, so much of that can get kicked up mm-hmm. in in worry and fear around those conversations and being othered, right? That fear of being told like there's something wrong with you, your desire is unnatural. Um, that's sort of negation of core self. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So where to go from there is, um, first of all, really pausing and recognizing um, that you've done so much in recognizing what is up for you and the complexity of this. And that having that awareness that like a rejection abandonment wound is getting triggered is friggin enormous, like even just being able to name that and know that is huge. It's such, such evidence of presence. Um, and it's really to be celebrated. So really starting there. And I, and then we, from our codependent mindsets, we skip over that step of celebrating ourselves for the little bullshit, right? Cause it's not little bullshit. Life is made of the quotidian bullshit, right? <laughs> All those little Big goddamn bullshit. moments uh-huh. where you, right? You wanted tea and you went and you got yourself tea, celebrate it, but like for real. So you had this awareness. You wrote in about it. You're advocating for yourself. You're asking for support. Actually, celebrate it! Yay! From there, um, I have found in my life that the more I have my own back, not in some like bullshit rug. I'm just gonna say bullshit every two seconds. Is that? Work? <laughs> I love <laughs> it. Because apparently, yeah. that's the word of the day. Okay, cool, cool, cool. cool. The vibe. Uh, right, right on. Um, so, right, knowing you have your own back, not in some rugged individualist kind of energetic, but rather from under a place of understanding when I have my own back and I can support myself and I can regulate my nervous system, I can come into a conversation, particularly one as potentially triggering or activating in the nervous system as one about sex with my partner. And I can come to that conversation from that regulated place where I've got my own back. I feel grounded in me. I trust my desire. I trust my longing. I trust my urges. Like I, I know what I'm about, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I, and I, lo- and I support myself in it. I potentially even like these things about myself, and I encourage liking these things about ourselves. But I'm just giving folks some runway to to get to there eventually, right? right? And when we come into conversation with a partner or partners from that place, we can then ask them to co-regulate our nervous systems, which means to help us ground together but we're not looking for them to do the job of creating safety within us Mm -hmm. because we came into the conversation from that safety. So then if your partner says, babe, I'm actually just, I don't want to have sex more than X times a week. Like my libido is not about that, right? I'm not interested in that kind of sex. I'm not interested in playing with that or working with that. We get to have our own backs and this is where thought work comes in as well, right? We can use the thought work protocol that I teach on Feminist Wellness, my show, and in my programs to help ourselves to decide what we want to think ahead of time. Mm. So going into this conversation, I will express how many times I want to have sex a week. If he says X, I can anticipate that. And I can go in with the thought, it's okay for him to have his own libido. It's okay for him to have his own hormone balance. It's okay for him to have his own nervous system. It's okay for him to have his own desires, his own what, right? And that has nothing to do with me. And when I have that thought, the action I will take will be to have my own back. result of that for me will be to feel really safe with myself and to be able to show up with a full heart for my partner in these conversations and to talk about what the best next steps are for him, for me, and for us as a whole whether that's opening up the relationship, working with a therapist together, um, finding a compromise where we can try one new thing a month, uh, whatever it is, but really going into that from a grounded sense of self and not that old codependent people pleasing, oh God, if he doesn't approve of me, then I'm doomed and I'm worthless and everything's wrong with me and ah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that resonates deeply and Mm -hmm. I feel like Mm. the way you described it in the beginning with being scared and you know because like I I can understand the rejection but I guess i necessarily wouldn't have tied that with like that inner scaredness of not feeling like I could connect and like be grounded with someone but that makes a lot of sense that is scary Mm -hmm. like we talk about rejection being scary but it also that hit different the way you explained it
0: yeah right on I'm wondering a little bit more about the last part of the question where they say that their partner will say, okay, but then doesn't follow through. And I know that in different parts of my relationship, if my partner doesn't follow through on something, I then start to feel like I'm nagging. And then I feel Mm. like I take on this role that I don't want to and that I feel like is almost a stereotype of like the nagging wife. And then I feel even worse about it. And then I'm like more mad at him for mm-hmm. making me take on right. that role right. but then I'm also mad about the original situation
2: sure right and I think we can we can strike a big difference here when we can talk about both between when it's like nagging around housework mm-hmm. right and labor that is not shared in the patriarchy generally speaking Right, which is one whole conversation. And then the reminders around sex. Like you said, we were going to try this and you would initiate it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, does that, does that, how does that feel for your hearts to have those as two separate moments? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, also, because I think in the patriarchy, you know, initiating is generally coded and taught to humans who are socialized as men mm-hmm. versus humans who are socialized as women. So, that's also. Right, we can bring a really different contextual framework here, um, but I think what's really important in these conversations is not to leave things open ended. And I think that's where that codependent uh, anxiety of like, okay, who's going to do it? What, what am I going to do? Do I don't want to be a nag? I don't want to do mm-hmm. right? Like all that indirectness, which is part and parcel of codependent miscommunication. That is what happens. And so, really making sure that you're leaving those conversations saying who's going to own it, who's going to do it, when are they going to do it, even sitting together and setting a timer on your on your calendar. And in that, like, really doing the work potentially together, naming it together, like, I can imagine having a moment of being like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, we have to set a sex timer mm-hmm. to, like, right, like, put this on the, like, come on. It shouldn't <laughs> have to be like this. And I think we can that just creating space for that and holding space Mm -hmm. for that bit inside of us of like are you fucking kidding me Mm -hmm. but like doing it anyway Mm -hmm. and and really assigning roles and assigning responsibility and just being as direct as humanly possible about it and writing it down and getting concrete so that it's not so that there's less of that push and pull within our hearts of like, well, but he said he would do it, but then he didn't. But then I actually, who, who really, I don't know. And, but I want it, but he said he would. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when it's like, okay, on the 15th, we're going to do a thing. And you're, you're taking ownership for bringing that up. Okay, babe, Mm -hmm. do you consent? Right. Because that's another part of this is what happens often is we're not in, in codependent Uh, thinking and behaving, we're not having clear communication around roles and around jobs, around who's doing what. And so when codependent uh, ways of thinking are part of our mindset. We just take on doing everything, but also resent other people for not doing everything. Right? It becomes this like wild morass of of nagging and disappointment and frustration because it keeps us in that story that no one will ever show up for us. We're wildly alone. We're not worthy of love, right? And as long as we're in that victim mentality uh, and that martyr mentality. Then it's it's proving our story about the world and that feels safer than having that story disproved so we don't give other people the opportunity to show up for us Fuck. well <laughs> shit, <man. laughs> cool okay that okay. just ripped me open a little bit uh you're welcome <laughs> yeah oh that wow cool. Cool.
0: Oh,
1: thank that you that makes a lot <laughs> a lot of sense right and why i mean yes Planning to that T could be tedious at first, but sure, we've brought that up so many times with either scheduling sex or being very mm-hmm. clear about what you want in bed, and you right. know, explaining your feelings. Like, why wouldn't that also apply to this situation as well? Sure. So that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Damn. <sighs> right? That bed. whole like codependent like you keep just taking on because it's easier to be the
0: victim but then nobody right. shows up for you yeah it's like, it's like okay,
2: yeah. great so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that great yeah it's shocking how people don't show up for you if you don't ask them to yeah. like, <laughs> shocking, it is right? i'm shocked. so wild <laughs> i've <Often>. always floored <laughs> always floored yeah <laughs> oh uh-huh. mm-hmm. wow. okay
1: next wow. scenario next right?
0: scenario um let's get to do a little more people pleasing so okay this scenario reads, my boyfriend and I are both huge people pleasers. I think we have great sex, but sometimes I worry that he's not asking for or getting what he wants, even when I ask if he is. What are some ways that I can ask him about things he wants that don't trigger his tendencies to please slash accommodate or say, it's all great. I don't need anything. What can Also, what can I do to ease my anxiety and actually believe him when he says he doesn't need anything else because maybe it is great? Yeah. Ooh.
2: This is, you know, there's got to be some leaps of faith in here, right? Um, You, the only thing we can do to hold the most loving space possible for our partner to step out of people pleasing and into their truth is to be direct, open, honest, and then decide that we are going to trust them and let them know that. And I, I recommend doing it out loud, right? So if you ask your partner, is there anything I can do for you? And they're like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. But your gut, your empathetic intuition, your everything is like, bullshit. You're just people pleasing me. Mm -hmm. You can choose to say, right? Like my intuition is telling me otherwise, but I'm, but you're an adult. And so I'm going to honor what you say right? I'm taking you at your word. And when it hasn't been historically what you've been up to in conversation, really naming it can be really helpful. Like, all right, babe, I'm doing this thing where I'm practicing really taking people at their word. So if you tell me you're good, I'm no longer going to be asking follow-up questions. I'm no longer going to be asking a second, third, and fourth time. I'm no longer going to be offering other things. I'm I'm no longer going to be doing this work effectively for you. So if you want something, I am so here for it. I think it's so hot when you ask for what you want and need. Like it's a real turn on for me, bring it, but bring it. Mm -hmm. Like I will ask you once and that's it. So that's, that's what you can expect from me now. And what I want to know that I'm getting from you is your honesty, Mm -hmm. right? Because not telling me what you want is not being honest. And I want a relationship based on honesty. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to pester you and I'm going to expect you to be honest. Right. Can you hang with that? Mm-hmm. Wow. But also like, can you hang with that? Like, that's what's happening from now yeah. on, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Here's your invitation to show up that's all you can do. Mm -hmm. And if someone is not, and I wasn't available. If I'd heard that from a partner 10 years ago, I would have been like, (laughs) such (laughs) a mature
1: thing to say,
2: (laughs) like, ew. Uh but but I can hear it now and I can say it now. So if someone's not able to hear you or unable to, to meet you, um, It might just be, you know, they don't have the skills and tools yet, or they're not in a place in their growth or they're available for that. They're not regulated enough in their nervous system yet, right? Like it doesn't mean to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but it it does mean that there is some collective growth needed, not needed because you don't have to grow these ways, but that might be supportive for you if you're someone listening to this and is like, yes, I want that. Yeah. Then to get to there, there's going to be some growth. That's
1: needed. Yeah. Cass and I were talking about that in a different way, in a much mm-hmm. meaner way. We talked about this question. We were like, but it's kind of the same vibe where they they give us an answer and we're like, but I know I'm right and I'm saying <laughs> that you're not okay. So just talk to, like I, mm-hmm. I don't think we've said that out loud necessarily, but that's how we feel. Where It's like yeah. our intuition is telling us that you're not. But if I keep asking you, That's going to be annoying to you. I don't want to get the truth because I've asked 17 times. Sure. So that was a great question to wrap up things that were in my head as well that I just, Mm -hmm. I guess I didn't put into words.
2: Yeah. And I, again, I think it's really legit to like, say what your intuition is telling right. you um i of course from a place of feminist consent don't ever want to assume i know actually know what someone else is feeling right so i'm i'm really careful and thoughtful to couch it i had an ex who would do that and would be like you feel this and i was like oh the f- oh no
1: oh the fuck I don't. oh the fuck you
2: shan't <laughs> yeah. like you fucking shan't be telling me what i feel And like, whatever, they were right half the time, but like, fuck you for even, right? Like hard no, hard boundary on that. Anyway, but like saying it, phrasing it, like my intuition is telling me that you may feel this, right? Oh, another one I love. Is it possible that you actually want a blowjob and you are a feminist and you feel like that might be degrading? So you don't want to ask me for that. Like, is that possible in this moment? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I
0: really For like example. that phrasing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good one. And just, just leaving it. If someone is, is unavailable or doesn't have, again, have the skills and tools to meet you, like, okay. Yeah. So I'm f- here to hear you, mm-hmm. but I, I cannot hear you if you don't voice it. Right. Right. And to that point, like, let's honor neurodivergence. Let's honor histories of stress, distress, and trauma. If someone feels deeply challenged to say it out loud, can they write it down? Can you hop on Signal and can they send you a text about it? Right. Can they, what can you do to open up the lines of conversation where they're maybe not speaking if that is like in their nervous system? What else, how else can we do this that's sexy, that's fun, that's not sending us into a trauma response, perhaps, or into a right. shutdown, dorsal vagal, nervous system response, mm-hmm. right? How can we be more loving and hold more space? And if they need to embroider, like, I would like cunnilingus on a pillow and hand that to you every time they'd like you to go down on that, like, great, great, right? <laughs> and if that can be the bridge to there, then, like, phenomenal, yeah,
0: I would right. like a pillow that says that. Yeah,
2: I mean it's available. Etsy is a whole wild world of delights. That is I'm so sure. true. Just throw a pillow right? that has yeah. it written. It's also face. like such a great winter pastime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, just <laughs> sit and embroider.
0: We Absolutely. should embroider.
2: I believe that we should. Okay, yeah. wait. What the if there was thing. like honey do me like embroidery kits that were like you asking for what you want in the bedroom. That like, is job, so cute.
0: that's so right. cute. That's really
1: cute. Like a stencil of like different yeah. types yes. of things to ask for. <laughs> right, with a little embroidery really floss. That's, I am in I... love. Yeah.
2: Oh my god. We're How writing amazing. that. One down. That would right. be yeah. really fun. That's so good. I love that. Oh, that's so <laughs> supportive. So,
1: so supportive. Right. So many lines of communication. Exactly. Right.
2: Yes. Yeah. And the more you can do it with the embroidered pillow or the post-it note or sending Mm -hmm. a signal, like eventually your nervous system will start feeling safer and you can start to say, I want the thing written on the pillow. I want
1: want that, that one. Yeah.
2: Right. That one. (laughs) That's the one. Right. And towards the goal of looking at someone, you know, and saying directly, here's what I want. Right.
0: So good.
2: With peace and love. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. And I do really appreciate all the different ways you gave us to ask what somebody is feeling. Because I am definitely guilty of asking my partner 20 times, what's wrong? What's wrong? Because something just seems off. And then I get frustrated. He gets frustrated. And I imagine that would build resentment towards me on his end. Because that would be really frustrating for somebody not to trust you. Regardless of if something is wrong, he doesn't feel like telling me in that moment. Right. And so as much as that frustrates me and as much as I want something in the moment, it's like, that's actually not my
2: right. Yeah. So yeah. that makes sense. Literally- were- and permission to coach. Yes, please. You're only asking 20 times because some part of you, some inner child part, some part of your nervous system believes that that is what will source safety for you. Mm-hmm. Right. So guilty of like, are you available to step away from that framing and maybe begin to hold space to see it as some part of you that feels scared or that needs support or doesn't feel safe when you're feeling, when your nervous system is picking up dysregulation in his nervous system because he's your attachment figure, Mm right? Right that that yeah. part of you, right, doesn't know how to regulate itself and how to connect in with your most grown-up adult. Mm. And so it feels like it needs safety from him that he's not able to give you. So, of course, it's freaking the fuck out because it loves you and doesn't want you to die. Well, that mm-hmm. clicks. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Sure. Always <laughs> permission to coach. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> I love being Permanent coached. permission. Okay, great. I lo- <laughs> I love consent. <laughs> this- love to get it. love to give it. So, this yeah.
1: next inquire kind of feels like it's in the same vein. And this uh, listener wrote in about like the fear of being cheated on. So mm. I feel like that's also with this like weird intuition, inkling that like something could be happening, but maybe it's not. And, you know, you're going into these partnerships or friendships or whatever with this fear of being like, cheated on or abandoned or
2: betrayed in some way. Right. Yeah. I mean, this comes back to clear communication and regulating ourselves again, Mm -hmm. right? If someone is going to cheat on you, um, they are going to do that. And there's absolutely no amount of snooping of reading their shit of stressing yourself out of pestering them. Like there's legit nothing that you can do to prevent that. That's just, that's not how that works because cheater folks cheat because they are cheating, right? It's not about the relationship. It's not about the other person. It's about the choices they're making for themselves and their life. So having clear communication, um, you know, I would like to be mutually monogamous. What does that mean to you? Does that mean that you can send sexy DMS? Does that mean you can follow what, you know, whatever accounts and like, what does that mean to you? Um, what does emotional infidelity mean to you? What does emotional fidelity mean to you? What, right. Like getting really detailed on these things so that you can make sure that you're on the right, the same page. Cause someone else thinks like flirting, I was just flirting with my coworker. Like I would never do anything, but yeah, we send flirty texts all day. Cause like, yeah, we would never do anything, but you're like, that feels like shit. <laughs>
1: uh-huh, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Like
2: really contemplating these things and just being really direct, um, bef- you know, as you're establishing the relationship is, is super key. And then folks aren't gonna want to hear this, but releasing the rest, mm-hmm. like really letting it go. Like the the thought, the belief, the story that you have any control at all whatsoever over whether or not someone else cheats. Because mm-hmm. you don't. Right. Right. They're gonna do what they're gonna do. Um, and so not putting so from our codependent thinking, we get into this. We can get into these dyads where it's me and my partner against the world and we stop talking to our friends, we stop hanging out, we're just like singularly focused on them and making them our entire life, whether they're doing the same or not. Um, Because at the core, you know, the way I define codependent thinking, it's constantly, habitually, unintentionally sourcing our sense of worth wellness and value as animals as humans from everyone and everything outside of ourselves instead of from within ourselves and so from that we look to our partner to complete us which like whatever let's throw hollywood under the bus right all the rom-coms have taught us that all the like teen girl books have taught us that right like <laughs> oh he completes me he's my my twin flame my other half <laughs> Right. Mm -hmm. But we fall into that when we don't know how to source secure attachment in and with ourselves. Often, when that's not what we got in childhood, right? When attachment was super insecure as children's. Um, And so we look to our partner to be our everything. And then we stop hanging out with our friends and we stop socializing and we stop regulating our nervous systems with other people. Right. And we just focus on them. And then, of course, if they cheat, your world is completely devastated. Right. They've become your everything. Right. They've completed you. They are your half. Right. Which doesn't mean I'm not saying don't invest in in a loving connection with your partner, but I'm saying. All must all the eggs go into the one basket? Emotionally, the physically? One. the on. basket is rather full, yeah, right. yeah. exactly. Yeah. Might you not have multiple baskets, yeah. right? <laughs> and you weave one, <laughs> right? Weave <laughs> one. Well, that could be on your Etsy site, too. It's yeah. a whole basket weaving thing. <laughs> your emotional I mean, basket weaving. That's right? actually I love it. Funny. It's a whole workshop. We should do a retreat that us. The two of yeah. us, the three of us, right? The you and the me, where we do underwater basket weaving for our emotions. I think it would be amazing. I, I think love it that. would be amazing. I'm so
1: happy you threw in the underwater part. That I think sounds it's great.
2: mandatory, don't you think? <laughs> I okay. do now. I do now, okay. yeah. yeah. Well, you're welcome. So, <laughs> Thank you. Good. Hey, anytime. Anytime. It. We right? gotta.
1: We should try out all the things that we want to put in our Etsy. You know, yeah. like the basket weaving oh and God. the...
2: Uh, right, embroidery, embroidery, we embroidery should do that as well. Yeah, fuck yeah, we're gonna have a blast. <laughs> oh yeah, let's do it, let's do it. Yeah, and I mean the other thing too is because in to the mind with codependent habits, there is such as profound fear of vulnerability and openness, which makes like duh level sense, right? If you. have Fear you're not worthy of love and care. Why would you show your tenderoni heart to people? They're just going to tell you you're not worthy of love and care. Right. Uh, Right. Unfortunately, it's the antithesis of what we actually want, which is connection and significance, which only comes with showing our vulnerability. Oops. (laughs) Right. So we're not being real with our friends. We're not, right. We're not saying, I have this fear that. So and so is cheating on me. I don't know if it's real. I don't know if it's a fabrication. I don't know if it's from worry. Right. And what we need to do is to normalize starting to have these deeper conversations that aren't like trauma dumping on people. They're getting consent, right. Creating a mutually respectful, reciprocal space and having conversations where we talk about our fears and our worries so that we can get realistic feedback. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Is there a way to tell the difference between anxiety and intuition? Oof,
2: anxiety sounds like this. Oh my God, I wonder if they're cheating. I wonder if they I should look at their phone. I wonder if, I, maybe I should check their DMs. I wonder if they left their Instagram on the computer. I wonder if, you know, my cousin's uncle's sister is actually Facebook friends with them, but I wonder if maybe she could check and then it wouldn't look like I could, che- right? It's, it's activated, right? It's pressured. The volume is high or low, right? The, it's, it, it has an intensity. Whereas the voice of our intuition is calm, is grounded, is centered, has a gentle prosody of voice, is never pressured, is never anxious, is never worried, right? It just says, hi, he's cheating. Mm -hmm. And just like, right, just like lets you know what's up. Mm -hmm. Just lets you know like, hey, don't turn down that street. Don't go on that second date. Right. It's calm. It's quiet. It comes from the gut. Mm -hmm. Right. Versus, yeah, stress, distress and trauma, anxiety, worry, codependency. Like these all lead to voices within us that are driven by those energies Mm -hmm. and are not a truly intuitive thought or intuitive voice, intuitive feeling, intuitive guidance. So I really listen in for that grounded, calm energy. And where I find that, I find my own truth. Mm -hmm.
1: So anxiety thoughts can kind of feel like a spiral in like a this and then that, and then this and then that type of way of thinking.
2: Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Where the focus really is uh, the inherent human negativity bias, which like, Let's not diss that, right? Like right. our brains are set for negative for really damn good reasons. Because if there is a lion in the tall grass, I want to see it. Mm-hmm. Like I want to know it is a lion and I would rather have my nervous system say, lion, when like five out of those 10 times, it's a tabby cat. And at least I'm like, okay, well, didn't die. Like that's great, yeah. right? Um, but the more we can can start to recognize Oh, that's always going to negative. That's like intensely negative right off the bat. That tends to not be intuition. That tends to not be internal guidance from, from a grounded place, but from a stress, distress and trauma place, which is a place to be honored as always, but not necessarily one to heed. Mm.
1: Felt, resonated. Sitting with. I also wish my intuition sounded like your voice because that shit is calming.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That I know to trust. (laughs) That I
1: would know to trust.
2: Well, you can train it. Yeah. It's one of the things we do in Anchored in my program is we talk about like, how do we train ourselves and our intuition to speak in a, in a specific way in that gentle, calm voice. And then we mark that with a nervous system resource with a sensation a felt sensation in the body that lets me know so for me it's like little sparkles at the top of my bosom <laughs> but i'm like oh those little like there, um you know that like gold stars emoji uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. it looks like that it feels like that at the top of my chest i'm like oh that's my intuition oh. i've marked it like i know like that i know to be true that's what where that feels like mm-hmm. and so cool Yeah, Uh, that felt good that That felt good to
0: hear I'm so glad I think this next question really is the same type of question as the ones we've already asked but I do want to give it it's space even if it's yeah everything else we've already said Mm -hmm. Um, so this person said that their partner has depression and Mm -hmm. wants to be alone all the time and they fear that maybe he just doesn't want to be with them
2: Oh. Yeah, that is challenging. It is challenging. Um, I don't know whether the partner wants to be with them or not, but the partner probably just really doesn't want to be with themselves. Right? Like being depressed sucks. I have been in the, the dark pit of doom and despair that is very serious depression and it is really challenging What's happening is in the nervous system is then maybe this can help with some empathy and love. The nervous system is saying you are not good for the village right now, Mm -hmm. right? Because if a lion comes, you don't have the activation potential within you to actually punch it in the nose um, or run away. And so you might lure a lion here, but you're not going to do anything to help the village survive. So evolutionarily, you're a pretty bad bet buddy. And so you should get to the back of the cave and just hide out there until I don't know what, but not this. And so there physiologically, our nervous system in depression is telling us to go into what's called dorsal shutdown. And I think of it as the door of the cave is shut behind you and you're just crouched in the darkness with your sadness. So it is a biological imperative to be alone and isolate when depressed. So, babe, it's not you, it's science, right? It's the science in your partner's brain and body. Um, That doesn't, that isn't to negate how you are feeling in response to it. Like, it sucks to be depressed and it sucks to be the partner of someone who's depressed. It's, it all sucks. Um, So, let's just start with some empathy, some compassion, some care, some love, and this is another place for direct communication and oh, I can imagine just the like <laughs> vulnerability of asking someone who's really depressed, like, Hey babe, I know you're in this isolating moment. It makes sense that it would be because you're depressed. Um, and the way my, my, his, my history as a human on this planet has led me to have some worries about rejection and abandonment and also like that we mammals, right? We all fear that that's normal and natural, right? Cause when the marauders come at three in the morning, we want to know that we will be rescued. So it is mammalian to fear rejection and abandonment. You're not broken. You're a mammal anyway. So my beloved, I have this fear because I'm a mammal and because my history and I want, instead of ruminating on it on my own, instead of worrying about it on my own, instead of projecting my fear and my wounding onto you, I'd like to ask you directly, do you still want to be with me? Mm-hmm. Are you interested in that? Mm-hmm. Is that something you're available for? Do you do you want that? Right? Because there's the two options. One, drive yourself absolutely banana cakes, ruminating on your own and spitting on it and going on that like woe is me tornado, which like hi. I've loved to ride that one. Like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Cause once you get on it, you're like, this is so fun. The wind in my hair, all the self pity. Right. I'm, everybody's <laughs> <wind in> my... <laughs> I'm not responsible for myself or my feelings. <laughs> right. <sighs> yeah. Super cozy. Mm-hmm. But if you don't want to ride that ride anymore, that's when you get to, sp- to speak directly mm-hmm. and say like, I, and like, I love naming it. Like, dude, I feel so anxious as I'm about to ask you this because it makes me feel really vulnerable and it makes my belly, like it's doing like a thousand butterfly flip-flops and I know you're depressed and there's a part of me that's making that mean that you don't love me. And can we talk about that? Mm
1: -hmm. It's just, it's like a, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. The way you're saying it makes so much sense. And like- Mm. Yeah, you would get your yeah. answer. Mm-hmm. You right. would get out of this spiral of anxiety and you know the the ride of self pity, which I I also right. love to ride. She's fun. <laughs> so She's fun. A, she can be a long ride, and I like Woo-hoo! that. You get a lot a lot yeah. of bang for your bucks. So.
2: You really do. <laughs> really do. You really do. Yeah. 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 You only destroy like every relationship mostly the one with yourself in the you're middle you're really like, alone at the end for sure oh my but... <laughs> god but like desperately alone yeah and it's it's the the level of like angst and shittiness is so intense you know what i mean like yeah. that's why you just keep writing so... so you don't have to pay attention to it
1: right once you get exactly off. god it's so dark
2: <laughs> so
1: dark what a great comparison for that yeah. feeling
2: Right? so funny. My God. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the gothest of feel. Like you're like the most gothest. Most gothest. (laughs) Right? So gothy right now. Don't talk to me. (laughs) So gothy. Oh my God. Yeah.
1: Oh, go. No, that's it. Go ahead. Oh, I
0: just really adore the phrasing. I'm making it mean. Right? That's really helpful to me. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right? Because I love... Right, so the other thing we love to do from our codependent thinking is abnegate any responsibility for our own emotions. Everyone else is always creating our emotions. Mm-hmm. Always, it's always their fault, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Which doesn't mean we don't call out systems of oppression, right? The patriarchy, capitalism, white settler, colonialism. Fuck yes, amen, hallelujah. Always call that shit out. And he doesn't make you feel guilty. She doesn't make you mad. Right. She may have done some bullshit that was some bullshit, and you're going to call out bullshit. I promised you I'd say bullshit every question. So here I'm fulfilling my duty contractually. Uh, There's certain cuss word. um, But right. Like she might have done some bullshit that was oppressive that you need to call out, you want to call out, but the feelings you have control over, Mm -hmm. right? Not the initial blush of feeling and emotion from your nervous system. That's animal. But then your reaction to response to that. That's where you have so much agency, mm-hmm. right? And the, again, the fear from our codependent thinking is if we claim that agency, then we got to claim our agency. And if shit doesn't go our way and right then it's actually on us. And that feels absolutely unbearable again from that worthiness wound, mm-hmm. yeah. right. Right. right? So I'm making it mean that reminds us I am telling a story here. I am creating a narrative, this this may or may not be true and it is my truth and I get to question it and I get to honor it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, (sighs) and making it
1: mean. That's also a very like neutralizing um, comment, I feel like Mm -hmm. to make in a moment when you're having a conversation and you don't know how to like make sure, like I'm not attacking you, I'm just telling you. Right. I'm making this mean. Making this, it mean. You know? Okay. Yeah. Letting them yeah. know where you're at without accusing yeah. them of making you feel that way. Right. I like that a lot. Totally. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> um, this next question is personal. Okay. I will say that I wrote it. I'm gonna call okay. myself out <laughs> on that one. Okay. okay. Um when I've been in arguments before with partners, mm. and it seems to be that it might be my fault that we're there in that argumentative situation instead of owning up um like let's say they say that i'm just being a little bit criticizing and like i don't know they're like you know what you're doing this thing i have a habit of saying okay then why would you be with me or like why why should we keep doing this then if if like it's just going to be difficult to be with me which i will say mm. i've said more in the past than recently but okay i feel like that comes up as, like, an initial, like, I don't know what kind of response I'm looking for, but it, like, it comes up as, like, my favorite defense mechanism, and I don't really get it.
2: Yeah. Let's let's start with a moment Permission of compassion. To Thank <laughs> you. Uh-huh. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, <laughs> like, let's, for real, start with a, a moment of compassion for that little part of you that I, my intuition is telling me, has a core wounding of thinking they are unlovable, mm-hmm. right? If your brain goes to that nuclear option of, fine, then I'm not lovable. Don't even try to love me, right? Mm-hmm. I am unlovable. Is that resonating? hmm And it also yeah. feels
1: so, like, pick me to say, you know? Of course. To be, like, fine. Yeah. I'm unlovable. No one could ever love me, which feels so... Like dramatic because you want them to be like, I love you. Mm-hmm. And at yeah, the maybe. same time, you also want to be like angry. I don't know.
2: But, okay. So if, if we take a moment and so I'll invite you to close your beautiful eyes or simply lower your gaze and let's see if we can do a quick somatic practice to get in touch with this part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So feeling into that moment where you're in this conversation with a partner some conflict arises and a voice within you says find that just don't be with me find that where do you feel that in your body
1: like my lower
2: stomach area yeah 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 what does that feel like if you if you really get in touch with it the felt sensation is it hot is it cold is it tight is it loose?
1: For me it's like tight and cold but also yeah. tight in the way that like it also feels empty mm,
2: that makes sense yeah yeah does it have a color to it
1: not necessarily right yeah. now um, have to. Yeah. But yeah that's probably where where i feel it and it's all like i just feel f- fear i guess when we're like sitting with this too
2: that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I wonder what comes up. If you ask that part, what it wants you to know in that moment, like, what is it doing for you?
1: I feel like I want it. This might not be the deepest answer, but I want it to sound like it's my choice that this can't work. Like, okay, fine. Then we can't, be together so now I'm the one that's kind of like pulling my saving myself out of this situation and I'm like fine I'm the one that's doing it and I'm gonna walk away
2: so yeah like control part of it control yeah yeah if you feel into that that uh tight empty cool space in your Mm -hmm. stomach does it resonate as an energy that wants control Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. totally yeah so if we ask that part what is it trying to protect you from let's just see what we hear from that energy i feel like it's just a fear of like being left
1: yeah being too much to stick around for
2: totally Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. very mammalian fear indeed Mm yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah, So what could be interesting could be and we can do it now or it can be your homework Mm -hmm. and let you know how it goes to get into conversation with that part and ask it how else it can feel safe. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Right. Because we know how what its go to way to feel safe is, which is to try to have control. Fuck you. I'm leaving first. I'm the boss of this. You can't leave me. I already left. Mm -hmm. I'm halfway out the door.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. Which we either do by being direct the way you are doing it or by emotionally shutting down. Right. Right. Like, okay, fine. Well, you can't, if you can't love all of me, then like you won't get me. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we're in relationships where we're like sitting on opposite sides of the couch, not talking like that kind of silent dinner Mm -hmm. relationships. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the same thing. The like, I reject you. I abandon you. No one will reject and abandon me. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. But just asking that part, how else, what does it need to feel soothed? Right. right. How could it feel in in control with the initial goal? And I, I do a lot of this sort of bridging work in my work because when we're working with the nervous system, if I was like, okay, so just like let that part now it's safe for it to release control and surrender to the universe. <laughs> Like how quickly would it double flip me off and oh. be like, absolutely <laughs> not, you yeah. banana boat. Like yeah. you're not <laughs> trustworthy and right. I hate you and goodbye. Yeah. Interview over forever, goodbye, <laughs> right? Like uh-huh. that's not trauma thoughtful. That's not how we work with nervous systems. Instead, we might offer the nervous system. Hey, it's cool that you want to feel in control. Totally get that. You're a nervous system. You're an inner child. It's like, cool. What is a slightly less damaging way you could do that Mm -hmm. and sort of slowly work towards all I can control is me, but we might take six months to get to there. You know what I mean?
1: Mm -hmm. Right. 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 That, that resonates and feels good. And I've been trying to like backtrack thoughts of destruction (laughs) lately. Um, and that feels like a great way to start with that one, especially
2: good so I'm thank glad. you yeah love being coached. coached beautiful <laughs> yeah. to witness yeah beautiful to witness okay so but not the last one forever we'll do this again right yes absolutely yeah please it's so okay. amazing. oh my god <laughs> yeah
0: okay uh, forever <laughs> okay, we will okay, do great. it forever
2: <laughs> yeah okay okay i got nervous sorry okay, start. Start. <laughs> okay.
0: last question Trying to, it's a statement. It's a statement. Uh, Go ahead and add a question mark at the end if you'd like. But um, trying to justify your partner's possibly toxic behavior. And I don't know what behaviors this person is referring to, but maybe justifying a partner's behaviors that don't feel good to you and finding reasons for them.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, but of course you did, right? Like that's what we do. The one of the cornerstones of the, the codependent thought habit, right, from our definition, it is a profound wound of unworthiness, is of course we tolerate all kinds of, you guessed it, bullshit. <laughs> I didn't want to let you down there. Thank you. Um, thank you. You're welcome. Any, t- any goddamn time. Uh, <laughs> but we tolerate bullshit. We just, we believe that because we are inherently unworthy of love, if we are to get any scrap of love or care, uh, we need to tolerate all sorts of crap to get it. And we have to keep tolerating. It also, again, feeds into that victim narrative that keeps us from doing that horrifying thing, which is being alone with ourselves, taking responsibility for ourselves, knowing ourselves, right? Be sitting in the discomfort of the truth of ourselves, Because the story about how terrible we are, that outlandish story is, in its way, so much more comfortable than the truth of what we don't like about ourselves, if that makes sense, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: right? And so we stay with partners whose behavior, yeah, really doesn't work for us because we tolerate it. We also often learned in childhood um in dysfunctional family systems in codependent family systems in family systems with emotionally immature parents and this again can be parents who on the outside like took us to karate and took us to ballet and like even parents who actually did the absolute best they could and just didn't know how to attune to our nervous systems didn't know how to show up as parents were emotionally immature um because their parents were emotionally mature and their parents were codependent, right? Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) all of that can mean that we grew up thinking it was incumbent upon us to tolerate all sorts of crap because children have the one option. And the one option is to tolerate what we're given because unlike the magnificent giraffe, the phenomenal elephant, the tender young squirrel, like we are goddamn useless for a solid twenty-five years. Like we, <laughs> yeah, you know, like we don't have yeah. a fully formed limbic system until we're about twenty-ish, twenty-one, right? Which means we don't really have a clear and present sense of what, sense of what is danger and not. It's just wild that sixteen-year-olds can drive cars yep. and like get married like whoa but that's a whole other conversation um my point is (laughs) that as tiny baby human animals in those first that first decade plus of our lives we have to believe that our caregivers whether those are biological parents or your auntie or your tia or whomever your abuela whatever to a degree we need to believe that they are infallible Because if we believe that they might be terrible, then we introduce the possibility of the belief that they might not feed us or water us or, right, give us basic mammalian care, and then we might not survive, and that is unbearable to a mammal. Mm -hmm. So we learn to tolerate bullshit because it is actually safer to our growing nervous system than to blame our parents. right? yeah. Especially ages zero to seven when the nervous system is forming, Mm -hmm. right? And so of course we have insecure and disorganized attachment. Of course we do if our parents are not who we need them to be, right? And then we take that and project that onto our partners. Mm -hmm. Of course we do. What else is a nervous system to do until you (laughs) learn the skills and tools to do it otherwise, right? Like Mm -hmm. how else are you going to do it differently, Right, right? So we need to Stop tolerating bullshit. We need to be in connection with others so we can have conversations where we're like, hey, my partner did X, Y. So like my emotionally abusive ex would refuse to do any housework, like wash their own dish and then would gaslight me about it. Mm -hmm. And I was so deep in the being chronically gaslit that I couldn't see it. Like I really came to believe that I was the problem. Like, ugh you're right. How could I ask you to do your own dishes? Mm. Right. Cause I, it was what I was hearing and he, Oh wow. There you are nagging. Like your mom again, always asking me to do my dishes after you cooked dinner, bought all the groceries, planned all the meals. We're the only one working at the co-op schlepped the, the groceries up a six floor walk up. Right. Like mm. how, there you go again. Right. And so I was so deep in it. I couldn't see it. And this is why we need to have open, honest, vulnerable conversations with the people we love. Taking us back a couple questions here, it was really by calling my girls and being like, yo, they said this. And my girls being like, no, mm-hmm. that's not okay. Because right. I was so in it, I was like, I guess it must be my fault. Right. Mm-hmm. So, really stepping into the really horrifyingly scary thing of being open and honest and vulnerable is the most important gift we can give ourselves and the people we love. Mm -hmm. So that we're not tolerating bullshit from ourselves or anyone else. Because we're running a check. Mm -hmm. Right. And and I in this I'm not saying like don't trust yourself, don't trust your intuition. Like for fuck's sake, the the complete opposite, right? Like so I was in a relationship where I was wildly disconnected from trusting my intuition while I was making clinically amazing decisions and I was doing incredible coaching. Right. And when it was about not me, I was giving the most bestest advice. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh So it's not about doubting your capacity as a whole. It's about recognizing that when it cuts to the quick of attachment, meaning whether our adults were able to show up for us as little children's or not. That's when we leave our prefrontal brain, our, our executive function capacity to show up as that mo- like most bestest thinking part of ourselves and really revert into animal, which is not a diss. Animals is the best, but I don't want to be making my life decisions from there. I right. want to call Leah and I want to call Marie and I want to call my girls and I want to be like, yo, is this chill? Like, what's going, like, help me to see this. And this is why we need coaches. And this is why we need therapists. And this is why we need communities like Anchored. And we need support groups because while we rebuild our trust in ourselves and our sense of self, we need a witness. We need a loving witness to help us to see, like, are you tolerating? Or is it like, no girl, like you do have to do the dishes half the time. Like that's being a human in a relationship, like, <laughs> right. That's not a reasonable request. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But all the time, maybe Mm -hmm. it's that's a long answer. But it was it it was perfect, beautiful answer,
1: and it touched on you know reaching out and being honest with more people than just yourself, which I feel like Mm -hmm. is hard to do. And I wouldn't do it in my last relationship, at least if something felt a little like fucked up, I would be too embarrassed to like share it with someone. And so I feel like that is. I don't know you it's so important (laughs) important.
2: right yeah wow yeah yeah and i just this thought just kind of came to me that like one of the most important parts of a thriving and successful romantic relationship is the friendships that you have outside of that relationship Mm. so you're not all the things we've talked about in the last hour putting your eggs and all in their basket making them your universe you know like making your sense of self all about them making their responses your gospel on and on and on you know Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. interesting you should say that because i feel like it would be really fun to have a conversation on friendship and attachments let's do it um Mm -hmm. i would love to
2: do that that would be really fun yeah let's let's do a whole hour on it i think that's so fun Yeah. yeah Yeah. Oh, I mean, be because also like really fulfilling friendships are part of your sex life. Cause then you can talk to your girlfriends and be like, yes. Peeing on each other. And let's discuss. <laughs> let's do con. Do I need goggles? Oh yes. <laughs> exactly. I do. do I need goggles? Okay.
0: We've literally <laughs> been talking about how important friendship is in a sex life uh-huh. and it's how free. it has benefited our sex lives so oh, for much. sure. Yeah. So for sure.
1: Can you remind people where yeah. they can contact you and reach yeah. you after this
2: episode? Fabulous. Uh, so, so many places. So I give really good gram over at Victoria Albina Wellness. Join me there. Um, I've started dipping my toes into reels, Fun. which I never thought could happen because I am fucking verbose but we're doing (laughs) what we can in 60 seconds we'll see what keeps happening my podcast is called feminist wellness Uh, it is for humans of all the genders it is available every thursday in all of the places if you head on over to com slash honey, do me. I've got a special present just for your listeners. It is a set of nervous system orienting exercises, inner child meditation, boundary meditation, bunch of beautiful meditations available just for you. Go download those for oh, we'll free, right? You. to your inbox. Isn't that fun? That's- uh, and then my six month program where we dive deeper into these topics using breath work, thought work, and somatic practices. It's the only program that brings together all that science and all that woo is called Anchored. VictoriaAlbina.com slash Anchored.
1: Okay, I'm taking my job seriously this time. And I'm fucking finally. Am I right? Finally <laughs> God, I've been waiting. pulling my own weight Two in this years. company. <laughs> and uh And starting the outro. Because okay. last time, I didn't. And you were like, you literally always do it. I we had 30,000
0: people reach out about it.
1: I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Victoria, for being on the podcast again. We love your words of wisdom. And thank you to our listeners for coming back around another week.
0: Yeah. And why don't you go ahead and give us some words of wisdom? And by that, I mean really good reviews mm-hmm. over on Apple Podcasts. You can rate, review, and subscribe. You can also rate us on Spotify. Um, leave your kindest words. Kindest. No codependency. <laughs>
1: We're fine. We can be interdependent with you. Yeah. And just use you to help boost
0: us yeah you're You're welcome and then we'll boost you right now you're amazing yeah you're loved you got a fat ass you got a thick ass (laughs) fatty right behind you you're gonna do great today
1: oh that was cute yeah see you next week bye bye